Welcome to the Reliance Community Podcast. Worship with us on Sunday mornings at 9 o'clock or 10.45 a.m. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. Man. Amen, amen. I was telling first services, that doesn't bring you into Christmas, you dead. Amen? That and a whole bunch of snow hopefully is on its way. Those two, yeah, testify? All right. Three of us, awesome, cool. Um, man, it's, <laughs> it is good to have you guys here. We are excited um, about this season that we're in, um, in this Advent Christmas season, um, just, just to see what God is doing and see what God is up to, and, and uh, just as kind of we chase after Him in this season, I just feel like the Lord is just meeting us, and it's just been a, a really awesome time. And so thank you guys for being faithful and your pursuit of the Lord. If you're a visitor, uh, we're just a passionate family in pursuit of the presence of Jesus. Amen. Like, that's how we identify ourselves. We just want more of the presence of God in our life. And so thank you guys for being a part of that. Don't forget, uh, I know some of you guys said you have a lot of things going on in your life. Uh, if you get a chance, fill out a connection card. They're back there in the uh, welcome area as you walk out in the lobby. If you need prayer, put your prayer down, put it in the bucket. We pray for you guys every Monday. So I encourage you guys to do that. Um, how many of you guys made the caroling last Sunday? Anybody make the caroling? There was about 160 of us that went caroling last Sunday. We loaded up the trailers. It was awesome. It was just a great time. I got to tell one story from that. Some of you um, guys decided to stay home and watch the Chiefs game. Don't lie. How many of you guys did that? Okay, a couple honest people out there. Well, Mike Wohler is a huge Chiefs fan. I mean, huge Chiefs fan. And so he showed up for caroling, and he was on the trailer while listening to the Chiefs game at the same time. So I, I'm not sure what was going on there, but he was listening to it. But he said, Aaron, when the, Chief, the Chiefs took their final knee, they won, they beat the Patriots. He said, right then, we erupted with go tell it on the mountain. And if you, and if you know Mike, he's very boisterous. And I guess he was off key, off tune, but it didn't matter. The entire neighborhood heard him sing this loud and clear. So I'm just saying, next year, if you come, the Chiefs will win again. I'm just throwing that out to you. <laughs> I don't know if that's true. But... Um, we, we, I'm excited for this sermon series we're in. We're in a, a series called It Was for Freedom. And uh, Pastor Ryan kicked it off uh, uh, last week with kind of an opening of talking about what are the implications, what did it look like when Jesus came and uh, God stepped down, wrapped himself in flesh. How did it change us? And so he talked a little bit about the heart. And he said, you know, it wasn't about behavior modification. Sometimes he, he gave a story of where we're trying to produce good fruit. And we don't understand why sometimes we got bad fruit in our life. And we try to change this, this, or this. And he said, sometimes we're, we're after the wrong thing. At the end of the day, we have to go after the root. And the root is always the heart. And so he talked about the heart and, and what does it was for freedom mean for the heart. And so it was just a great word. And he shared out of Luke chapter 4, uh, verse 17, where Jesus enters into the temple and he grabs the scroll of Isaiah. They handed it to him. He unrolls it and he reads kind of a prophecy from Isaiah chapter 61. And he says this, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. For he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that the captives will be released, the blind will see, the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. Amen? He rolled up the scroll, he handed it back to the attendant, and he sat down. All the eyes of the synagogue were on him as they looked intently at him, and then he began to speak to them, and then Pastor Ron shared this, he said, and then Jesus said, the scripture you've just heard has been fulfilled this very day, and he calls it the greatest mic drop in history, amen? Because every pinnacle, that we, all the pinnacle of Christmas and Easter, everything that we celebrate was all wrapped up in Jesus Christ. 
And so in that moment, man, I can just imagine it was just this in, insane moment in that synagogue. Some people erupted in anger and some were overjoyed and it was just an incredible, an incredible moment. And so um, I want to kind of continue on in this season of it was for freedom and really ask the question of why did Jesus come? And, and we know that Jesus came for salvation. We know that most of us memorize John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he sent his son, whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. And so we know that there's a salvation experience because Jesus came. But is that it? Are we waiting for something that's off and out there and we've just got to wait, just kind of dwell right now? Or did Jesus come to set us free for the here and now as well? And I'm going to tell you right now, I believe that Jesus came to set us free here and now and when he comes back. Amen? And so we're going to go after this today. I'm excited. And, and to do that, I want to start off by showing you two different approaches to the freedom of, of, of Jesus, two different approaches to the freedom of God. Um, I'm fascinated I'm fascinated by the Old Testament story of the Exodus. I'm fascinated by the Old Testament story of the Exodus and Moses and, and how closely that correlates with the Christmas story in the New Testament. In fact, when you, when you look at them and you put them kind of side by side, what you'll see is there's two kinds of freedom that come from that. One is kind of this physical freedom and one's this eternal Freedom, And so um, what I want to do is I want to kind of go through this and talk about how you can see this reflection of Moses and Jesus, two different stories and two different approaches to freedom. So if you don't know much about the history, I want to give you a brief history lesson on the Israelites. And so in um, the Israelites uh, of the Old Testament, there was a moment that they had come into freedom and blessing and God blessed them. And then they went into Egypt. Well, after a season of time, they were enslaved. They became slaves of Egypt, and they were enslaved for 400, somebody say 400. 400 years. 400 years they were in slavery, crying out to God, God in your mercy, God in your grace, save us, save us, save us. And God had a plan to rescue them, and it would come through a man named Moses. And so if you think about Moses' life for a moment, if you don't know Moses' history, Moses was an Israelite. And when he was born, the Israelite nation had become so big in captivity underneath Pharaoh and the Egyptian that, that Pharaoh started to get nervous. He was nervous how fast the Israelites were growing, and in his mind, he thought, they could overthrow us. And so Pharaoh orders, if you've read the story of Moses before in Exodus chapter 2, or if you've been taught in Sunday school, we don't always hang on this part, but Pharaoh orders that all of the uh, baby boys in Egypt be killed, all of the baby boys of the Israelites be killed. And so there's this madness happening where all of the babies that are boys are thrown into the Nile River and, and they're killed. And so if you remember the story of Moses, he's put on like this basket made out of reeds and grass, and, and he's, his mom floats him down the river. And so Moses is found by Pharaoh's daughter as she's taking a bath in the river. And so she brings him into the palace of the Egyptians. She brings him to Pharaoh's palace, and Moses is raised in royalty. He's raised in royalty. So here's this Israelite, they, don't, they, didn't, they didn't know he's an Israelite, raised in, in royalty, right? Raised in royalty, and so he becomes essentially a, a prince of, of Egypt. Now, it's really interesting because Moses then has this moment where he's, he's, he's face-to-face -face with this reality when he finds out that he's in Israel. So he's grown up in royalty, believing he's of the household of Pharaoh, and then he finds out that he's actually an Israelite and that his true lineage is all these slaves out there. 
And so he has this moment where he's, he's struggling and, and he sees one of the Egyptians whipping one of the Israelites and long story short, he throws him off of this thing and kills him. And so he flees into exile. Moses leaves the palace, flees in, and for 40 years he's learning and, 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 and he's shepherding and he's out there and the Lord has this encounter with him that we read about in the Old Testament and it's at the burning bush. You guys remember the burning bush? And in that burning bush moment, the Lord speaks to him and says, I'm going to send you back into Egypt, and you're going to set my people free. Now remember, Moses grew up in the palace. Moses knows the strength of Pharaoh. Moses knows what the armies can do. Moses knows the Israelites didn't stand a chance. So in this moment, God is speaking to Moses, and so God encourages him, I'm going to send you back. And so the rest of the story is that Moses goes back. God sends the ten plagues. You guys remember that? And he says, set my people free, set my people free. And the final one was that God said, I'm going to send an angel of death, and it's going to pass through, and, and all the firstborns are going to die unless you take the blood of a lamb and you put it over the doorpost. They called it the Passover. And so during the Passover, so the angel of death passed over anybody who had the blood of the lamb over their doorposts. And so Pharaoh says, I'm going to let you go. And you see a million-plus people exit out of Egypt and follow Moses, right? And then we read kind of the rest of their history, fast forward a little bit, and even though they were set free from their physical captivity, they didn't know what it meant to live in freedom. And so even though they were set free from chains and whips and bondage in the physical sense, they still did not follow God's commands. And so there were lots of exiles that happened to them throughout the Old Testament. There was destruction. And then we get to the book of Malachi, which is the last book in the Old Testament, and we see kind of the last prophetic word that's given in the Old Testament. And Malachi prophesied something that the Lord had given to him, and this is what the Lord said. Look, I am sending you, Malachi chapter 4, verse 5, look, I am sending Sending you the prophet Elijah before the great and dreadful day of the Lord arrives. His preaching will turn the hearts. Somebody say hearts. His preaching will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers. Now, it's interesting that Ryan talked about the heart last week. He's saying that this preaching of this kind of guy that's going to come in like Elijah isn't going to be worried about behavior modification but heart modification, right? And so here you have this prophet Malachi, he's prophesying in Malachi chapter 4 that somebody's coming. Now we know it to be John the Baptist. John the Baptist is going to come, he's going to prepare the way for Jesus, he's going to help people's hearts get back in tune that the Messiah has come. But in between this period of Malachi and Matthew is 400 years. Let me say 400. And interesting that, that the Israelites were in slavery to Egypt for 400 years. God sends Moses and has this big exodus in a physical sense where they get out and they're in freedom. 400 years now between Malachi and Matthew, you have this 400-year period, and then all of a sudden in this 400 years, God is silent, really no prophecy had been heard, there really wasn't miracles that were recorded. They're, they call it the dark ages where it was almost like God just shut down, okay? Now we know that he was still working. We know that God's still had a plan, but in this 400-year period between Old Testament and New, New Testament, it was almost as if the Lord was silent. And then comes Matthew in the Christmas story. The Gospels in the Christmas story. Jesus is born. Now, Jesus is born, and he's born in a bed made of hay and straw, right? 
Put in, a, put in a bed made of hay and straw. Jesus is born, and although we love the Christmas story, it has a lot of reminiscent things of the Exodus where Herod had heard that the king of the Jews was going to be born. So Herod orders all of the firstborn males in this certain area to be killed. So what happens? Jesus goes into exile with his family, into Egypt. Isn't that interesting? He goes into Egypt, into exile. So you have this correlation where Jesus goes into exile and eventually will come back and through his blood on the cross, he will bring freedom, amen? So you've got this Old Testament, new kind of view of, of Moses coming in. You've got this New Testament view. Both of them, in a sense, brought freedom to the people. One was born kind of in a, born and put in a straw or a manger setting. One was born and put in this basket and floated down the river. Both of them go into exile. They've got similar stories, but one of them brought freedom from a physical sense. The other one brought freedom from an eternal sense. Amen, church. So you've got these similar stories where Moses, in the Old Testament, he's leading people into freedom. He's leading people into a, like a physical freedom, bringing them out of slavery, and then for them to walk in the commands of God, he has 10 commandments. So Moses' thoughts of freedom was that, look, God brought us out of this physical bondage. Now we've got to follow these 10 commandments. So freedom in the Old Testament under the Mosaic law was only if you could follow the commandments. Freedom in the Old Testament over under Moses' law was based on their ability. Amen, church. If I've got the right ability, if I've got it inside of me, then this is what I'm going to do. Then you've got the New Testament. You've got the New Testament where Jesus comes in, and his freedom isn't just from the physical. His freedom is from the eternal perspective. You got Jesus comes in on the scene, and he says, look, it's not about the commandments anymore. All the commandments are filled in me. <laughs> I love this. Now he says it's not based on your ability. It's already based on my ability of me in you. And he strips away all of the, man, if I could just do, if I could just do better, if I could just get it, if I could just, he strips it all away. So you've got these two levels of freedom that we read from Old Testament to New Testament. You've got this mosaic freedom out of captivity, and you've got this Jesus freedom into eternal freedom. So why is this important that we talk about this church? I think we have this understanding in our culture, and I think it's culture's understanding of what freedom really is all about. The narrative in our cultural freedom is, says that when you break the, the, the oppression, if you kind of break through some kind of trial, if you break through some kind of oppression, if you can break through something that's physically happening in your life and get set free, that then maybe, then maybe you're going to be the person that, you can, that God has called you to be. If I could just get through this trial, if I could just, if I could just make it over this marriage hump, if, if I could just get that promotion, if I could just read my Bible more, if I could just whatever it is. And so we've got this, this idea of going, man, this narrative of, of having freedom kind of from our narrative, if I could just break through this external situation, then somehow I'll be free to be who God has called me to be. This is the narrative that Israel is coming out of. God, if you would just save us from slavery... God, if you would just bring us out from underneath Pharaoh, we are yours. If you would just lead us out, God, we are with you. So Israel is oppressed with literal whips and chains, and then they're set free, and yet the Exodus story is not happily ever after. 
Because although they were brought out of slavery and bondage, most of the book of Exodus talks about what happened after they left. And you realize how quickly their rebellion of their heart set in. They've made a mess of things. They're, they're going after things that they want. They're going after their own desires. They're trying to make a great name for themselves. They're, in fact, they get to a place so much where, where they've tried it all on their own that they're, they're murmuring and mumbling and grumbling about God. They actually say, they have the audacity to say, it would be better if we went back to slavery in Egypt again. They didn't know what to do with this because they were free physically, but they had not let their hearts be free spiritually. This is important, church, because our natural response, if we just want just a physical freedom and we don't want God to do an internal work, we don't want God to change anything in here, God, just take care of my outside, don't worry about the inside, I've got that, our natural response is that we'll always go back to slavery again. We'll go back to the worthless things that we were once in again. Now, now hear this, because this is important, we need to hear this. You need freedom from an external power and an internal power. Amen, church? It's like they needed freed from two things. They needed freed from two things. They needed freed from external situations. They were in chains. They were in bondage. They were being whipped. They needed, they were crying out, God, free us. And so, yes, God could bring freedom from the injustices of their life, from the oppression of their life. God could free them. But they also need freed from what was inside of them. Sin and selfishness and desires that make us want to worship other things and immorality and complaining and lack of faith. That's what they really needed freed from. It's like two battles that we fight when we talk about freedom. On the one hand, we've got one battle that we fight to get free. There ain't nothing really we do except for accept the free gift of God on that one. Amen? One battle is to get free, but we've got another battle where we're trying to stay free. You see, God, God fought that battle for us once and for all, where he made you free, and now we get to choose whether we're walking in that. For many, we've won the battle to get free. Like most of us in here, hopefully, when you said yes to Jesus, you know from that moment on, salvation is yours. Like you've won that battle to get free, but you feel like in your heart you've lost the battle to stay free and abide in him, in that freedom. The Exodus story kind of shares two different types of freedom. The power, there's this power over you against, that's trying to crush you. There's this power over and against you trying to bring you down. We call that death. That's what scripture called it. The final foe that the enemy brings, the final foe that Satan brought was that he had the power of death. Jesus comes in on the cross, strips it away from him, and gives us life. So Satan's weapon of fear is stripped, it's crashed, it's taken over. There's a Red Sea Exodus moment where the Red Sea crashes over the army, the Egyptian army that was pursuing to kill the people. And like that, God dealt with that. And like this in Jesus Christ, God dealt with the death part too Amen. in you and I's life. So you've got that moment where he saves us and he overthrows the power of death that once held us. And then you've got this second part. There's also that power within that's trying to draw you into other things. Worship this, worship that, go after this, go after that. We compromise. We have indifference to things in life. We've got this mentality of trying to make ourselves great, make ourselves godlike rather than submitting to the living God. 
You see, these are the, the, the freedoms that we're dealing with. Do I want this mosaic freedom that, that is all about my ability and I want out of my physical circumstance, or do I want this Jesus freedom that doesn't matter what circumstance I'm in, I'm free, amen? I'm free. Ah. And this is what I want to focus on. Yes, yes, Jesus, you, he, took, he took death for you. Church, you hear that. I don't need to talk about eternity right now because those who are found in Christ Jesus have eternity. Just want you to hear that. Eternity with him. What I want to talk about is, did he set you free today for the here and now? I actually titled the message, Set Free From Me. But really, there's a next part of that where I would say, set free from me so that I can live in him. The nature of God, the nature of God is freedom. The nature of God is freedom. 2 Corinthians 3, 16 through 17. We're going to do a whole sermon series on this someday, but I want to read this to you. Whenever someone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away, for the Lord is the Spirit. Whatever, wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is? Freedom. There is? Freedom. Now, you guys, there is? Freedom. All right, good job. Wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So I want you to see this for a minute. Paul's saying that whenever someone turns, he's talking about a conversion experience. Whenever someone turns to the Lord, that means you weren't turned toward the Lord for that moment. So when you've got that moment where you say, man, I'm tired of living life on my own. I'm going to turn to the Lord. Whenever somebody turns to the Lord, he says that you are now in freedom. So the question that I have to ask you today is, why am I not living in freedom? That, that, this is not a negotiable. He didn't say, for, for some of you, when you turn to the Lord, some of you live in freedom and some of you live in bondage. That's jacked up, amen? So why in the world am I still then struggling to not live in freedom? And I'm wondering if maybe it's because we know that God has saved us externally from death, but we're not sure that he saved us internally. We know the freedom that we got and that we get freedom for eternity with him, but I'm wondering if you know that you have freedom inside of your life right now despite your circumstances. You see, church, this is a big deal. And I wonder if some of us need liberation today. I wonder if some of us need to know in this Christmas season that God didn't just liberate our circumstances, he liberated us. You see why Satan was so adamant in destroying the baby Jesus. Satan was so out. Herod tracked him down. I mean, Satan was adamant in getting to baby Jesus, trying to, trying to kill him. If you read the Christmas story, and I'm wondering if it's because, I'm not even wondering, I know it was because 1 John 3, 8 says that Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. And Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14 says that Jesus came to render Satan powerless. You see, church, there was a reason that Satan was after Jesus when he was a baby in a manger, because he knew what this baby was. He knew who this baby was. He knew the power this baby had, and he knew the freedom that this baby was going to bring. And we get to this place in the book of Galatians that we've kind of spring, using as our springboard for this whole series, where Paul, in, in just this moment in Galatians 5.1, he literally says, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Notice that he didn't say it is for salvation that Christ has set us free. That's the bonus that we get in following Jesus Christ. Amen, church. He said it is for freedom that Christ has set you free. But look at the warning that he says. Stand firm. 
Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. So the tendency that we have is that we get burdened back by the yoke of slavery in our life. It is for freedom that you have been set free. I love that. It's not just something far off. It's freedom now. It's freedom that's here right now. I I know I tell you this all the time. My favorite movie is Braveheart. Come on. I use this analogy all the time. First service, man, they were with me on this, all right? And there was that moment, Mel Gibson, there was the moment, right, where everybody's lined up for the first battle, and they're all like trying to negotiate, like, go negotiate, we want to go home. Go negotiate, we're not going out there and dying for these fools so that somebody else can get rich. You guys remember that part? If you did not watch Braveheart, that is your Christmas movie, all right? (laughs) Just be careful with that one. All right. So they're all lined up, and you've got this massive army on the other side, and you've got these guys in kilts, and they're sitting there, and they're like freaking out, and then Mel Gibson rides up with his crew, and he gives this tremendous speech, just a tremendous speech. (laughs) But he says this, which I love the most. He says, they can take our life, but they'll never take our freedom. If I painted my face, which I thought about doing blue, and I thought about wearing a kilt, I just want you to know. Yeah, I know. Like, you would have resonated with that, right? I'm just saying. (laughs) Slacker. Like, get into this, won't you? But in that moment, these men who were getting ready to walk home and leave because they just wanted to be freed from some physical thing, they were tired of the oppression that they had. They were tired of the chains and the bondage, so they were ready ready to walk away from it. And in that moment when he said that, something inside of them, when he said they can take your life, but they'll never take your freedom, they rose up and they charged the battlefield and they won. Amen. They won. I don't know if it's historically accurate or not, but they won in Braveheart, right? And there's something in that that we resonate with. We look at that and we say, God, just save us from our physical. Just get me out of this trial. Just get me out of this oppression. Just get me out of these chains. And God's going, I'm not worried about your, your trial that you're in. I want you to know that regardless of the trial, you have freedom. Amen? Okay. I'm wearing a kilt next time. All right. And we know what Paul's speaking about in Galatians. Paul's speaking about in Galatians, he's speaking specifically the fact that he's saying, look, it was for freedom that Christ set you free. Don't go back to slavery. And the slavery that he's talking about is is the trying and the doing. And and the whole book of Galatians is about trying and trying and trying and trying and never measuring up. But here's the thing. Look at the two forms of freedom in the Old Testament and New Testament. The form of freedom that they were simply trying to do was they were trying to follow the Mosaic law. They were like, this is how Moses set people free. This is how Moses came in. God raised them up. God led them through, 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 through Egypt into the wilderness. God parted the Red Sea. Like, he got them out of their circumstance, and they just tried to follow law, so we're going to try that. And Paul, he's going, look, that is a yoke of slavery. Jesus came to set you free from that, and he came to set you free into the new. The new isn't about a situation. The new is your heart. You see, today, Christ came to set me free from me. Christ came to set me free from me and help me walk in his nature of freedom. I don't know if you know this, but we are kind of a self-absorbed people. We're people where we like to put ourselves in, in situations that are beneficial to us and good to us, and then we find ourselves in bondage in some senses. 
This is never how God created us to live. So self-absorbed in a constant state of worrying and pride and selfish ambition and vain conceit. This is how God designed us to live. He said, for anyone who's in Christ, they are new. Somebody say new. New, new creation. The new has come. The old, somebody say old, is gone. <clears throat> if you've been coming, I don't care if you've been coming from the time that we started Reliance or for the church that we were a part of a long time ago, however you've been, long you've been coming, this right here is the most profound truth that you can grab onto. You are new and not old. And I'm not even talking age. I don't care for the person out there who's going, well, I'm 80, I'm old. You're new in Jesus. This is a big, huge, monstrous kingdom principle that when I come into Christ, the old is gone and the new has come. And it can feel like slavery church when we're constantly trying to work on the old. If I could just get my old self better. And God's going, I don't care about your old self. I care about your new self. And we spend our whole life trying to fix my old. If I could just fix my old, just get out of this habit, get out of this circumstance, get out of this bondage, get out of, get out of, get out of. And Jesus said, I'm not trying to get you out of your old, I'm trying to get you to walk in your new. I'm trying to get you to walk in your new identity. I'm trying to get you out of the Old Testament for a minute and stop thinking that it's just a Red Sea moment, I'm trying to show you that regardless if you're in captivity, that in the New Testament, Jesus came to set you free for eternity, for all things. Amen, church. Mm. And it's important that you hear this. It's important that you hear the question today of saying, maybe in this room there's some people that feel like you've been freed in terms of the salvation part, but you're wondering why you're still in bondage in the internal part. In internal part. Everything hinges on this word freedom and how you see yourself in that. It's key because it dictates your outlook. Freedom dictates your outlook. Freedom dictates your attitude. It dictates your calling. It dictates your abilities. It dictates your view of the future, your view of the past. This is why Paul so much, he would say, look, I don't, I don't look at my past any longer. I look at my future. Whatever I had doesn't matter anymore, right? This word freedom that resonates in our heart, this reality is when we come to Jesus, either we are free or we're not, and we believe we're free. It's important to say this, though. And you heard me say it earlier, we're not free from storms. We're not free from trials. We're not free from difficulties. We're free in how we respond to the storms. We're free in how we respond to the trials. We're free in how we respond to the difficulties with his love and his grace and his gratitude in our life. Let me give you an example of this, just a real quick example. Paul's in prison with Silas. They had just done some incredible things for the Lord. People didn't like it. They get severely beat. They get thrown into prison. In Acts chapter 16, verse 23, says they were severely beaten, thrown into prison. The jailer ordered them so that they didn't escape. They put them in the inner dungeon, and they shackled, and they clamped their feet in stocks. So it was like, we don't want you to escape. We're not going to put you in the outer. We're going to put you in the inner, and then we're going to shackle you, okay? Around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying. They were singing hymns to God, which I don't know about you, but if I'm in jail, I would find that annoying, right? It's midnight. I'm in a place I don't want to be. Why are you singing right now? It's a telling thing. Around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening. Suddenly, there was a massive earthquake, and the prison was shaken to its foundations. The doors flew open. The chains of every, somebody say every, this is important. 
the chains of every prisoner fell off. Church, understand, this wasn't just a normal earthquake. This was a God encounter. When an earthquake comes, and it may break the foundations apart, but your chains don't fall off. This moment right here was a God moment. There was no denying that this was a miraculous moment. Now, that's important, because listen to what happens. The jailer woke up to see the prisoner doors open. He assumed the prisoners had escaped. He drew his sword to kill himself. Paul shouted, stop, don't kill yourself. We are all here. Insanity. The jailer called for lights. He ran to the dungeon. He fell down, trembling before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved along with everyone in your household. They shared the word of the Lord. Look what verse 33 says. Even at that hour of the night, the jailer, the jailer cared for them and washed their wounds. This was a man who was probably a part of the beatings. And if he wasn't, he at least stood there and washed. Now he's washing them and taking care of their wounds. He and everyone in his house were immediately baptized. He brought them into his house. He gave them a meal. He set a meal before them. He and his entire household rejoiced because they all believed in God. Now, I, I don't know about you, but listen to this moment for just a moment. <laughs> They're in a jail cell. God does something miraculous. All the chains fall off of these guys, and not one guy leaves. Not one. This would have been a moment where if I'm in this jail cell with you guys, I'm gone. Amen? I'm, I'm sitting here going, okay, Lord, was that you? Okay, earthquake, yeah, okay. Lord, was that you? Okay, shackles are falling off. I'm like, if I'm like you, I'm sitting there going, the Lord wants me to be free physically. <laughs> and he's showing me because everybody else, their chains are, he wants us to walk out of this place. You see, that's how I would have seen it, but that's not how Paul saw it. Paul already knew he was in freedom even though he was in jail. The way that Paul saw it was this. Hang on a minute. Lord, you brought off all the chains. Do you really want us to be free physically? Do you want... And all of a sudden he realizes something. This guy's going to kill himself. No, no, no. That's not what God's doing. God doesn't want us to be free physically. God wants this guy to be free Amen. eternally. Not one person left. You know, you, you don't read in here where it says, and after Paul, you know, ministered to his family, all the prisoners ran out and escaped. You know, you don't read that in there. That means these men gave up their physical freedom for one man and his entire household to get saved. You see, church, in an Exodus moment, in an Old Testament Exodus moment, we would have said, get me out of my bondage, I'm gone. In a New Testament Jesus moment, we're looking at saying, I would rather stay in bondage, but be, be, be somebody who can speak freedom into your life. I'll take the chains if it means you know Jesus. Your situations don't dictate your freedom. Your situations don't dictate whether or not you're in slavery. Jesus dictates that. So what does this mean for you and I? Real quick, I just want to share this. Ah. Freedom is one of the primary benefits. When, when, when you come into Christ, freedom is one of the primary benefits that you get. Yes, you get salvation, but you get freedom for the here and now. It is for freedom that Christ has set you free. New life in Jesus frees you from the shame and guilt and the constantly measuring yourself by the standards and measuring sticks of life. And this new freedom allows you to experience the joy and peace in the work on the cross. You have the potential in every situation to discover who God is in you and for you. 
The question is, are you still trying to live in the old you and fix that, or are you just focused on the new you and who you are? The old isn't going to do anything for you. And you weren't called to go back and fix the old. The old is dead. Somebody say dead. Deader than dead. You're called to walk in the new. So when I slip up and I mess up, and I mess up on a daily basis, I'm not going, God, God that's the old. i got to go back and fix the old. He says, no, Aaron, just remember who I am in you, and you have freedom. Amen. Walk in the new. Walk in the new. I've been reading uh, uh, some awesome material by a guy named Graham Cook. He's a beast for the kingdom of God. And he has this uh, uh, material out there called The Nature of Freedom. We're going to actually, just so you know, we're going to teach that class someday here. It's called The Nature of Freedom. I just want to read an excerpt from what he writes. Jesus' life becomes preeminent before. His, his life becomes preeminent. He's before. He's preeminent in all our circumstances. It means we are not working from our old nature, desperately trying to be Christ-like. Instead, we are new creations in Christ, confidently using every situation as a place to practice our new identity in him. So Paul's in prison. He knows he's got identity in Jesus, and he's not worried about trying to be Christ-like. When the chains fall off, he stays exactly where he's at, and it helps other people see Christ in him. He's practicing that. Amen, church. He goes on. He says, from this living perspective, we have a newness advantage. We process all the events of our new life with joy, peace, and believing. Jesus does not deal with our fear. Jesus does not deal with our fear. He comes as a perfect love and overwhelms our fear. In our anxiety, he offers a place of rest and renewal. Instead, in our worry, he helps us focus on peace. He ain't worried about the old nature. He overwhelms you with his love, which brings you into your new nature. God does not help us work out our anger because it's dead. <laughs> Instead, he empowers us to become gentle in our new nature. He displaces irritation of our old nature with patience in our new nature. He takes away bitterness in our old nature and puts gratitude from our new nature. He turns sorrow into joy. The old passed away, and he's only working on the new. Since freedom is his nature, it's also our nature. If we are not aligned with God's true nature and freedom, we live with a sense of fear we're afraid of losing what makes us feel secure. We hold tightly to resources. We try to control people and situations around us. And ultimately, we are held captive to the negatives of what Jesus prophesied out of Luke chapter 4 that came from Isaiah 61. We, we, if we are not walking in these things, we're held captive to the negatives. I'm going to read this one more time. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me. He anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He sent me to confront the brokenhearted and proclaim the captives will be released and prisoners will be freed. He sent me to tell those who mourn that the time of the Lord's favor has come and with it the day of God's anger against their enemies. To all who mourn in Israel, he will give a crown of beauty of ashes. A joyous blessing instead of mourning. Festive praise instead of despair. In their righteousness, they will be like oaks that the Lord has planted for his own glory. Listen to me, church. If we are held captive to the negatives and we're trying to walk in our own freedom of trying to do it our own self, there is a poverty mindset that we have. The poor. Our hearts remain broken and wounded and our spirits heavy. We repeat the stories over and over and over. I've been burned. I'm just ashes. 
I'm just ashes to prove that I don't think God is faithful. Freedom may be right in front of us, but we don't have eyes to see it. But this is what he goes on and says, but God doesn't blame or shame. He pronounces freedom. Jesus said, this is a reality of how we're walking now, but I'm coming to tell you that I'm about to set some captives free. I'm coming to show you that I'm about to set the poor free. I'm about to open up the prison gates. I'm going to set you free. Our broken hearts are healed from unconditional love. He proclaims our freedom and changes how we think and how we see. We handed him ashes. He marveled at the beauty that he returned. We chose to praise his unchanging faithfulness and are being strengthened and rebuilt. When we are in proper alignment with the true nature of God, there is no fear in losing our freedom because we know it doesn't depend on our circumstances. We're living in the truth, and the truth will set you free. That whom the Son has set free, he and she is free indeed. This is why Paul was sitting in the jail saying, whether or not I have chains or bondage on me or not, I'm in here for a bigger reason, and that is to help that jail and his family come to know Jesus. Let me invite the band to come up. This is big. You ever watch somebody, you ever watch somebody be set free, church? You ever watch an addict become free? It's liberating. You ever watched a marriage on the brink, brink of destruction? I mean, brink of destruction, and then freedom came into their marriage, and it was restored, and you're just going, man, I mean, I'm like, I, I'm like a bawling baby when I see that happen. If you've ever encountered and watched somebody who had a war in their mind, I have. Man, I've watched somebody war in their mind, and it felt like somebody close to me felt like they were trash. I watched them go through depression and the deepest, darkest places, and then I watched them experience freedom. It's beautiful, and you can't put a price tag on that. Because it's not just about what we're being freed from. Ryan shared that in his message. It's about who we're being freed to. When you can truly say, I am free, it changes everything. You see, I really believe that 2019, somebody had given us a word last year, and they just said 2019 is like a year of just burning, burning away, the, you know, burning away things. And I felt that, amen? 2019 brought a lot of burning. <laughs> but then they said 2020, it's going to be like green pastures, like you're going to become coming into God's just freedom. So I just, I feel like this is the game changer for us today. So I want to do something with that, actually. I just want to ask you to close your eyes. I, I want to, yeah, this is big. Just close your eyes. We'll probably do this every single Sunday. <laughs> if you know you've experienced that exodus you know that you've experienced the exodus moment where you believe salvation has come, you, you, you believe in Jesus, you said yes to Jesus, and so external, like you feel like, yes, if Jesus were to come back tomorrow, I'm on that train, like I've got that, but, but man, I'm struggling with being liberated on the inside. Like I'm all good with God, you know, saving me. But this liberation, this freedom on the inside where I've gotta let go, I just don't feel, I don't feel that right now. This whole, it was for freedom that Christ came and set me free. I just don't know what that looks like. 
So in all my striving and trying and doing, like I don't feel liberated. I still feel like I'm in bondage in so many ways on the inside. If that's, if that's you today, I'm going to just take a bold step and just stand up. Everybody's eyes are closed. Just stand up if that's you. And you're saying today, I want the day of this, the Lord's favor. I want liberation. I want liberation. This, is, this to me is the most beautiful thing that a believer walks in is freedom. That's you, yeah. Amen. Just encourage you. Just do this. Just ex extend your hands out. Like you just want to receive something from the Lord today. Just want to pray over you. Yeah, let's, let's pray. Father, we know in the name of Jesus that you're the great liberator. God, we thank you for the Old Testament in the way that you brought your captives out of captivity and God, you broke the, the, the bondage of slavery for your Israelite people, and it was a representation, Father, that you can do all things, and you're all-powerful. And then Jesus, to try to get right with you, they set up their laws, they set up their systems, and they tried to base it on their ability. And you showed us, God, in your Old Testament over and over and over again, we cannot do it on our own. We can't. You're a God who saves, but when we try to do it on our own ability, we can't. And then Jesus, you partner that with the New Testament. And in the New Testament, you show us that it's not about our ability anymore. That yes, you're the God who breaks through sin and death, and that salvation is ours in Christ Jesus, but you're also the God who brings freedom here and now, to set the captives free here and now, to set the oppressed free here and now. It was for freedom that Jesus set us free. So I pray for every man and woman and child that's standing in this place today. The ones who said, man, I, I get the salvation. I learned it a long time ago, but I feel like I am in chains in my heart. I feel like I'm in bondage in my spirit. I feel like I'm just gripped and not walking in liberation and freedom. I pray for those standing, God, and for those setting that didn't stand today. God, I'm asking that you would show them that you are their freedom. That, God, you're not trying to free them from the old. They're not trying to better their old nature. They're not trying to better their old self. God, you are just trying to tell them that they can walk in their new nature. And their new nature is your freedom. God, I pray that you'd break the mentality of the old. Bring us into the mentality of the new. So Lord, with all these hands that are extended towards you today, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you would pour down your newness. The newness of your nature on them, Father. That they have been set free. Thanks for listening today. If you want to find out how to get involved, go to reliancecommunity.org.